0: Will to the first chapter of Matthew. And in just a few moments, I'll start reading with verse 18 in Matthew chapter 1. Over the course of time, many pastors utilize different preaching styles. I have used a few in the short time that I have been with you. Each of these have some advantages as well as some disadvantages. Some are strongly verse-by-verse expository, some even take on an exegetical approach. Some are more topical, which lends itself to a little bit more creativity in the application. There are narrative expositions, which insert some background exposition material into a story or a narrative. This morning is more of a thematic approach, where a central theme will be explored by different scriptures rather than a verse-by-verse study of just one passage. That theme will also be supported by some biblical historical accounts and some life lessons as well. Stand if you would. You follow as I read from Matthew chapter 1 starting with verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged For these words of truth from, from ancient prophecy and the fulfillment of them in what we have as the New Testament. We pray, Father, that you would help us as we explore this theme of God with us this morning. Use these words to remind us of your constant presence in our lives in so many wonderful ways. Lead us now as we look to you for truth and guidance. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you, and be seated. The year was 1961. Alan Shepard had become the first American in space as a rocket propelled him 115 miles above the earth's surface. This served as the beginning of of a strong competition between the United States and the Soviet Union in what later came to be referred to as the space race. Following the urgence of President Kennedy, the United States trained its sights on the moon. In his book, Moonshot, Alan Shepard said that it was the success of his mission more than any other that made the United States determined to place a man on the moon by the end of the decade. The Soviet Union, on the other hand, began to concentrate its efforts on sending manned space flights farther and farther into space. Keep in mind, in the early 1960s, that still was not a very far distance by today's standards. For example, in one such mission in 1962, a vessel carrying Russian cosmonauts traveled for the first time past the moon. This was before the days of orbiting satellites and the more effective means of communication we have capable today. And so there was a feeling of anxiousness, even mystery, as that Russian spacecraft journeyed around the far side of the moon. There would be no means of radio transmission either to or from the cosmonauts. Something could happen during these moments and we would never know there would just be silence. Both Russians and Americans in command centers around the globe, as well as millions of people watching on television, counted the minutes and the seconds before communication could resume. Finally, that spacecraft emerged from behind the moon. A brief three sentence message was translated and broadcast around the world this was that message we have passed the moon we are nearing the Sun we have not seen God now whether intentional or not that last sentence was representative of mankind's thoughts since the beginning of time if you look at pictures on pieces of pottery found in archaeological sites, if you look at carvings found on centuries-old cave walls, or artifacts found in ancient pyramids, you will see that mankind has always sought to know about a divine or supreme being, something greater than ourselves, even today. Occasionally, you will find uh, in national magazines and newspapers Stories exploring from one perspective or another that age-old question of whether there is a God out there who is concerned about us. It is at this time of the year every year that we begin to see national magazines and not the fake news or those exploitation publications but respected national magazines with front covers with pictures depicted uh, describing inside articles about the historical Jesus. And even though these are completely secular, they would not be there if the publishers of these magazines did not recognize people are looking for answers. In all cultures, in all settings, from all perspectives around the globe, mankind has always wondered If there is a God and has sought to find that God. Let me give you my sermon in eight words today. There is no need to seek any further. Let me very quickly point out for us that there is one significant difference between all of the world's major living religions and Christianity. In all other religions, Man is seeking to find and to know and to interact with a creator God or some supreme or divine being. In Christianity alone, God has made the effort. God has taken the initiative to establish a relationship with us, his creation. He has reached out to us in marvelous and wonderful ways through the centuries, with but one goal, to personally touch individual lives with His love. I refer to it very often in sermons. Romans 5.8, depending on what translation you use, says God commended, God proved, He showed, He demonstrated His own love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ Christ died for us when God looks at us he sees us just as we are with our individuality with our needs our hurts our shortcomings as well as the potential that he created within each of us he knows the struggles we face every day he knows the fears that haunt us he knows those troubles that keep us awake at night. And he wants us to know that he is not distant from us with his love. Number one in your outlines today, God wants to draw near to us. Just as he drew near to Abraham and Moses and David and John and Peter and Paul and Matthew and a Samaritan woman beside a well, he wants to come to us in just the way we need him to. A young teacher was employed to help children at a rehab center with long hospitalizations there to help keep up with their homework and their schoolwork during their recovery. She received an assignment to check on a young boy who had been recently transferred to this rehab following an accident An initial treatment at another hospital for extensive burns. As prepared as she she thought she was, she was taken back when she saw her young student for the first time. Parts of his hands and arms and feet were missing. There were more bandages than skin. And where there was skin, it didn't look like skin at all she was terrified she was repulsed and everything in her wanted to turn and run from the room and she stood there terrified not even knowing what to say and finally she found her voice and all she could say was to simply blurt out i'm here to help you with your nouns and verbs she, with that she backed out of the room As quickly as she could, she found a restroom, and she went in and was violently ill. She went by the nurse's station, made plans through them to return the next week. When she came back the next week, a nurse met her in the hall and said, What did you say to that boy? She just knew she was about to be reprimanded for her behavior the week before. But the nurse continued, we have been so worried about him. But since you came by, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment for the first time. It's as if he finally decided to live. Much later, as an adult, that At that time, young boy, was able to put into words the fact that he had given up hope until a teacher came to see him. He said they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and verbs with someone who was dying, would they? The lesson for us is this. In the same way, God is there to give those of us hopeless in sin, his Christmas presence of hope and peace and love and joy. And he comes to us in just the way we need him to. The problem, though, the problem is that we tend to think of God as Santa Claus, And we act as if his purpose is to give us things. Number two in your outlines, God does not exist just to give us things. We'll explore that in just a moment. But let me just take a little sidestep here. There's nothing wrong with bringing our petitions to God. There's nothing wrong with intercessory prayer for others around us or petitioning God for needs in our lives. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good and it's right and we should do it. But allow me to make this appeal to you today. And this is your homework. If you want to completely revolutionize your prayer life, spend regular time in prayer and don't ask for anything. Spend time in prayer and just praise Him. Just thank Him. Just adore Him. Describe Him. Tell him how much you love him. We think of God as the one who throughout the year is making a list and checking it twice. And he's keeping a record of when we're naughty or nice because after all, he does know when we're sleeping or when we're awake, so we better be good for goodness sake. Now to be sure, there are strong biblical uh, truths that can apply to those words God is sovereign God does know all things Colossians 1:17 says that in him all things hold together Lamentations 337 says he commands all things Psalm 139 says we cannot go anywhere and not be in his presence it also says that he knows our thoughts There are multiple scriptural references throughout the Old and the New Testaments attesting to God's knowledge. 1 Samuel, Isaiah, Psalms, Romans, 1 John. Psalm 121 says that he never sleeps nor slumbers, so he's always watching over us. But then the correlation begins to break down. Because you see, no matter how good we try to be, we can never... Earn our way onto God's nice list. Salvation is a gift that only comes to us through God's grace. Listen to these words from Romans 8, 14. And you think about it, whether this sounds like a naughty or nice list to you. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear. You received the spirit of sonship. And if we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co heirs with Christ, in order that we might share his glory. What a profound thought. God wants us to share His glory. We need to look at some of the ways that God manifested Himself to humankind through the ages. Number three, God revealed Himself through the ages. God came to Moses through a burning bush experience in the desert. In Exodus chapter 3. Moses was concerned as to why a bush that he discovered burning was not being consumed by the fire. He didn't realize in those first moments that he was in the very presence of God. There are other references throughout the Bible in Exodus as well as Ezekiel. Many places in the New Testament where God used fire as a manifestation of himself. Another one of those writing projects that I started and then have kind of put it on the back burner is to do some research on holy fire. I think it's going to be interesting if I can ever get back to it. On the Israelites' way to the promised land, God used a cloud during the day and fire at night to lead his people. There's belief now that this was an active volcano, either near or perhaps even on Mount Sinai. That mountain peak could have been the pillar that was described in the Old Testament, and that smoldering lava would have provided a cloud or continuous smoke during the day and then fire for light at night. Now, whether it was or not, whether it was some supernatural creation of God is not really the most important consideration what is important is that according to exodus 13 the people saw this as a sign as a reminder of god's presence god used these signs whether whatever they were physically or supernaturally he used it to focus the minds of his people on his love and his care and his provision for them later It was the Ark of the Covenant that became not just a focal point, but it was a representation of God's presence. They believed that God lived there. Something important for us to remember, though, is that all of these were just temporary. They were used for a distinct purpose at a particular time. The prophets themselves of the Old Testament Receive the anointing of God's Spirit. But again, they too were temporary. They were for specific reasons and purposes. Once the goals were reached, once the message was proclaimed, the evidence of God's presence then was diminished or transferred elsewhere. They were temporary. The birth of Jesus, though, changed the way that God revealed himself to the entire world. World, God no longer temporarily visited his people. He became Emmanuel, God with us, and one with whom we could identify. God became a man. He knew laughter and he knew sorrow just like we do. He knew the celebration and joy. He also knew sadness. He knew acceptance and he knew rejection. He knew life at its fullest. And he also knew what it was like to experience the death of someone he loved. And What does that mean to us? When we face these and other difficult experiences in life, God faces them with us. Rather than being born into wealth, And status and abundance, God chose poverty and discrimination and humbleness and strife for His Son. Hear the lesson. When life throws the worst it can at us, we have one beside us, God Himself, who experienced it as well. When we have doubts and discouragement, we can face them with the strength of God living within us. We face uncertainties. We have questions. We have doubts. We experience weakness and pain. We must never, never forget Emmanuel, God, with us. He was not just a suggestion of what God might be like. Colossians 1.19 reminds us, God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in in him, Jesus. And that brings us to number four. God dwells in us through Jesus. I recently discovered a very interesting connection between that verse, Colossians 1.19, that all the fullness of God was in Jesus, and in that old, old prophecy in Isaiah 9.6. You know it well, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We hear those words, we sing them, and they speak to us. A child is born. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. With that phrase in the middle, the government will be on his shoulder, almost gets lost in translation. What do those words mean? The government will be on his shoulder. It's a phrase that has been misunderstood. It's been misinterpreted. Let me help you with it. Some have felt that these words, the government on his shoulder, was a prophetic uh, phrase referring to the crucifixion, to Calvary. That government uh, imposed cross on his shoulders as he carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem to Calvary. I'm not going to say that couldn't be, but I think there is a better understanding of this verse, especially when we place it, in context with the other phrases before and after it all of those other descriptive phrases in the verse refer without question to that regal kingly majestic reign of jesus the king of all kings wonderful counselor that's the wisdom and the authority that only a king would have mighty god Then his absolute supreme power, again qualities only of a king, everlasting father, his kingly reign would never end. Prince of peace, only a reigning and powerful king can provide peace in his kingdom. So then when you back up and you look at that phrase, the government on his shoulder, there are two applications. First, Referring to a sign or a symbol, something embroidered on that robe, on that regal robe that the king would have been worn. It would have been up close to the shoulder like a crest or a monogram representing the kingdom. But there's a better one because you see the official key to the lock on the palace door was worn on a strap or a cord over the shoulders. And that signified that only the king had the power and the authority to be able to open that door and let someone come in. Doesn't that add strength to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, saying in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He also said in Matthew 28, 18, that verse just before what we call the Great Commission, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me when Jesus comes to dwell in our lives, we have within us the very source of wisdom and power and authority. And it's all we need to be victorious over sin. And it's all we need to find Advent, hope, and peace, and joy, and love. Number five, we do not have to search for God. God came to us himself so what this means is that we do not have to depend on or try to understand or explain divine miracles to lead us to God do I believe in miracles you better believe it yes I do but we don't have to depend on miracles to find ourselves to God the miracle of salvation is enough The greatest miracle of all is not creation. The greatest miracle of all is not the parting of the Red Sea. It wasn't Jesus walking on water or feeding the 5,000. The greatest miracle of all is not even the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. The greatest miracle of all is His coming into your heart to save. We don't need miracles to lead us to God. We don't need a pillar of cloud by fire or a fire at night. We don't need them. We have something better. We have God with us. We don't have to search for God in outer space. He revealed Himself perfectly when He came to earth as a child in a manger. Is God in nature? Yes, He is. But that's not the best and the right way he wants us to relate to him he came to us and all we need to do is just accept him there was a family with a daughter who had just graduated from high school and she was excited about going away to college she would live in a dorm on the college campus several hours away from home also in the family was this student's grandmother who had come to live with them, and she and her granddaughter were very, very close. And as it happened, the week after the student went away to college, grandma suffered a fall, resulting in several broken bones. It was determined after a lengthy surgery that she would recover in time, but there would be long months of therapy and possibly more surgeries down the road the daughter was distraught all she could think about was grandma back home she wanted to come home but it was a long way her parents did all they could to assure her that everything was going to be okay but she still worried it began to affect her grades she called almost daily and pleaded with her mom and dad, please, please let me come home. I can drop out this semester and I can always come back later. I can make it up after Christmas. Please let me come home. They sent cards and letters. They sent pictures of grandmom propped up in her bed. They called to let the daughter speak to her grandmother and hear her voice and this just made her want to come home even more. One Saturday morning, Around the 1st of December, the girl answered a knock at her dormitory door, and when she opened it, there was Mom. Her look of surprise and joy were quickly replaced with concern. Oh, no, she said. What's wrong? What's wrong? Just come downstairs, Mom said. Dad's waiting for us in the lobby. And as she raced down the steps, her mind raced with terrible thoughts. Mom and Dad would not be here unless something terrible had happened. When she entered the lobby, which was decorated for Christmas, Mom went over to stand by Dad, and all the daughter could do was just stand there and with tears in her eyes, say, tell me, tell me what happened. They pointed to the Christmas tree. And when she looked, there was grandma standing behind her walker, and she lifted her hands to her granddaughter. You see, God knew, He just knew that for us, words and pictures and signs. And maybe even some miracles along the way just were not going to be enough. And so He came to us Himself. Thank God for His gift to you today. Let's pray. Father, how we thank You that You loved us so much that You didn't just depend on words and pictures and signs and happenings you came to us yourself how we thank you Father and our prayer today is that you would help us to find ways to honor that love that you showed to us thank you for this very special time of year this Christmas Eve this day before the great celebration of your gift to us may we accept it and may we share it with others around us in your name we pray amen